Hey, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. Hey, welcome to Thrive Church. We are so glad you are here. If this is your first time or you call Thrive Home, hey, welcome. Know there is a place for you. We believe God is a good God. He is for you. He is not against you and that he loves you. Like Nat said, we would love to connect with you. And uh, if you are new here, please do so. Connect with us. We would love to get to know you a bit more. So this past month, we've been in a series of talks called The Only Response. The Only Response. How do you respond to God who loves you, who knows you, who sees you, who really like knows you? Not just the outside surface, but he knows you and he knows what you need. And not only does he just have a laundry list of what you need, he actually will meet those needs that you have. How do you respond? How do we respond? And we've said that the only response to God who loves you, who knows you, who sees you, who will meet the needs that we all have is this. It's worship. It's worship. That the only response we have is worship and that you and I were actually created and designed for worship. And that when we do what we were created for, living a lifestyle of worship, there's an ease, there is a rest to it, and that you can actually go about every part of your day as worship to God. Jesus said in John 4, he said this, in John 4, 23, but the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way for the fa- for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You know, God is looking for you and I to worship him. To, what Jesus is talking about in the scripture is a lifestyle of worship because that is what we were designed to do. That was what we were created to do and worship. It changes things. Hey, I want to encourage you. If you missed the last few weeks, you can listen to them uh, either on our podcast or go to YouTube. I believe it really will bless you and uh, build you up and build your faith. But today, the title of my message, uh, if you're taking notes, is this. Free your focus. Free your focus. I have a question for you today. What has your focus and attention? What has your focus and attention? I've found that often what captures our focus or attention are problems opposition or situations that just need to like to be dealt with. But I think there in a statement I made there is the key there is capture, capture. Often I find challenges or problems or those issues take our focus captive. And what do I mean by this is like, I'm in the room with my family. I'm on the floor playing trains with Levi. I am there but I'm not there. My thoughts are going about this problem or this situation, 
Right? You, you feel me? You know what I mean? Maybe throw up a, an emoji hand there. Or maybe you're baking cookies. And you're baking, but you're thinking about uh, the issue at work or that unforeseen expense that came up or the economic forecast. And instead of putting sugar, you put salt in your cookies. Why? Because something has captured your focus. The problem or the issue has your focus or your attention captive. Have you been there? Man, I tell you, I definitely have been there where I am in the room, but Josiah's mind has left the building. You know, where your focus and your intention uh, is captive by issues, problems, or situations. Have you been there? Uh, Now, uh, no matter where you are, what you're doing, your focus can be on that thing. Why? I think because those things are important. Those things are, we can worry about like, how will this work out? How will we get through this? How will this be solved? How, what steps should I take? Our focus can be taken captive by problems and situations in life. You know, someone in the Bible who had his fair share of victories, high moments, uh, and, but as well as all those problems, issues, challenges, opposition, was David. Was David. He was a shepherd. He was a musician. He was a songwriter. He was the king of Israel. He was a slingshot, giant-killing extraordinaire. But I want, I want to dive into a psalm that David wrote. But before I do, I want to write, dive into the background of the psalm of the time that he was writing. So at this point in history, David, he's had many challenges in life. He's, he's had, you know, some brought on by his own doing, right? Like uh, with Bathsheba, some things that he did, like he screwed up. And then there were other things, external things that, that really brought situations on him, right? Like a giant named Goliath. Um, dad leaving me in the field to watch sheep while, while my other brothers get picked to be king. Saul pursuing me to kill me and I'm hiding in a cave. Okay, and, and all what I was trying to do was play the dude some music, right? So David, he had some challenges. He had some opposition. He had faced this. But I think one of the most challenging and hardest times that he faced can be found in 2 Samuel chapters 13 to chapter 18, So here's the background of what's happening at this time. David, at this point, he's king of Israel. And he has two sons, Absalom and Ammon. Absalom and Ammon. He's got double A's, okay? And Absalom, though, murders his brother Ammon. Okay, there is some dysfunction there. There's a big story behind of why Absalom does it. But Absalom murders his brother. So Absalom, he flees. He goes into exile after murdering his brother, David's oldest son. But David actually accepts his son back, doesn't give him the punishment that he should have gotten, and shows Absalom, his son, great mercy. Okay, this is where we're at. But now what happens is this very son, Absalom, 
The one he showed great mercy to. The one he brought back. His very own son plots to dethrone him. He comes with a plan of how I'm going to get King David, my dad, off the throne, kill him, and so that now I can be king. He, he causes, he, he conspires to cause a revolt and overthrow King David to take the throne for himself. And this is exactly what Absalom does. In 2 Samuel 15, it tells us that he turned the heart of Israel towards him. Now, David's son, Absalom, gathers this, this great army to attack and to take David out. So David has to flee for his life. From his son, I can only imagine the, the agony he is feeling here. The, the, the sheer betrayal of not just someone else, but some like your own flesh and blood and, so, and the son that you gave mercy to and a second chance to. He is now coming after you and he's going to take you out to get your throne. So David is fleeing for his life. He is running from his son. Can you imagine the, the agony, I can imagine, only imagine the agony a father would feel as his son is coming after him to kill him. I can only feel, imagine the, the, just how consuming it would be that the, the son that he showed mercy to is now has absolutely betrayed him and turned the nation against David. And in the midst of this betrayal, and as David, King David, is fleeing for his life, is where we find Psalms 3. Psalms 3 is when David writes this as he is fleeing from his son, Absalom. And this is what it says. In Psalms 3, 1, there's always the little writing above it says, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. The Lord, uh, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say to me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. David is writing this in the midst of trouble. And the first thing he says to God in this is they're trying to kill me. They're trying to take me out. That there's a lot. And I think it's fair for David to say that. For his focus to be on the, the very real opposition that's coming against him. That great are the number who are, are rising against me. They're trying to get me. And this is where the focus of, of his, his focus, his attention is on this massive problem. His son trying to kill him and dethrone him. It's like right here. I see this first part when David's talking to God in this song. I see it sort of like when you're, when you're meeting up with a friend and you're like, hey, how's it going? And they just go and they, like, they just rattle off what is on their mind, what they're going through. Why? Because this is where his focus was. His focus was on, fair enough, was on the opposition, the challenge, the pressure that he was facing. But there was, however, his focus was on something. Then it changes. 
after he wrote these words, it says in the Bible, it says Selah, the word Selah. Now, some people believe that Selah, and it's even translated in some translations as a musical interlude. But I think it's so much more than that. Other scholars, and I would agree with these scholars, that they believe that it's actually so much more. That Selah is actually to pause in his presence. To pause in his presence. So David, in the midst of writing about his opposition, in the midst of feeling the pressure coming against him, he pauses in God's presence. And then David does something that changes. David goes from his focus captive on, by the opposition that's against him. What is, what is against him? He then goes to this. He goes to worship. He then worships. In Psalms 3, uh, verse 3, it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. He's declaring to God who God is. God, you are a shield. My glory and the one who lifts my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. So he is at this point, he goes from being focused on to what is uh, the opposition, what is coming against me, then to worshiping God. And then he says again, Selah. And then David praises and worships God in the midst of running for his life, in the midst of opposition. He worships, he praises. And we see in the following verse, something changes within him. Something changes about his focus after he worships God. In verse four, it says, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people who have set themselves against me all around. Worshiping and praising God freed his focus that was captive by the opposition and challenges that were coming against David, that were circling David. Worship realigned his focus from the, uh, from the problem to God, from the very pressing real problem of your son trying to kill you to the solution himself who is God. You know, when we worship, it frees our focus from, uh, from being, from being uh, captive by those issues, those problems, those situations that are right at hand. So that we can focus on God, and br which then brings all those other things into focus. Often our focus, our attention, is captive by the very problem or situation uh, so much that we only see that problem. Right? It's like if, if I was to, this was the problem and I bring it so close to my face... I only see this pointy plant. What type of plant is this? I don't even know. I could focus on this. But no, you can bring something so close that that's all what you see. But when you worship God, what happens is then your focus gets off of the problem onto God so that you can actually see what God has done and what God is going to do. Worship liberates our focus that's captive by problems, challenges, and, and all those, just the daily things in life and refocuses on God, who is the solution, 
who is the provider, who will bring the change to, to any situation. So that we can see more than just the problem, but that you can see and recognize that God is the solution and that God, if he's working on your behalf, if God is for you, who can be against me? Because God has the solution. He has the provision. He has the answer. He, ha he is your peace. God's got this. He's got you. Worship allows us to have our focus be on him. To get our eyes off around of what's going around us or even what I can do, what I am going to do. Instead, God, what are you going to do? What do you have? This is what the author of Hebrew even says. Hebrews, he says, uh, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that when we worship, our focus gets recalculated so we focus on Jesus, who is everything we need. He has everything we need. In Psalms 34, 1, it says this. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make its boasts in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord with me. Praise magnifies the Lord. Magnify, what is that? That's to make something bigger. So just like a magnifying glass, when you hold it up, makes it bigger. Praise and worship makes the focus of our problem smaller and our focus on God bigger. Our focus on who God is, what he's going to do, his promises, his word. Today, when you worship uh, you free your focus from the captivity by the, pro uh, by the problems, those issues, and put it back on him. Now, Matthew 6, 31, it says this. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For these are things that the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Worship refocuses our attention onto God and his kingdom. Worship brings perspective that God, you've got me. God, you've got my family. God, you've got my future. God, you've got this. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God's for you, which he is, who can be against you? When we worship, uh, singing songs to him, declaring his goodness, what he's done, his character, what he's going to do, it brings our focus to a higher, focus on those higher things, what God is doing, what God is going to do, his promises.
Man, when we work unto the Lord, another form of worship in everything that we do, when we do it unto God as worship, our focus is on Him. It brings our purpose into line. We're not just working here just to pay the bills. I'm not just working here to put my time in. I am here because of God has now got me at this job. God has got me in construction because this is where He's positioned me right now, doing it unto the Lord. I'm right here as this barista because I'm not just making your frappuccino. Uh Uh-uh. I am here because God has placed me here. And it's a focusing on Him. You know, that I'm not just looking at this spreadsheet. Or I'm not just watching my kids. No, this is where God's placed me. And I'm doing this as worship unto the Lord. You know, even when we worship through returning tithes and giving offerings to God. You know, where the Bible says in Matthew, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. When we give to God, when we partner with Him financially with offerings and tithes, it actually is us as an act of worship to God. Obedience and worship. And it's now putting, it takes the focus off of my efforts and say, God, I'm partnering with you. I'm acknowledging that you are my provider. I'm focusing on you and what you have said you will do. It puts the focus on him. It takes the pressure off of me that I don't have to toil to make it. I'm instead partnering in obedience with God and know what now I can look up and see what God is going to do. And what he will do is what he said in his word. He's got you. And know what that allows peace. You know, for me, I've had many different things. Uh, I have many different things vying for my attention, just like you, I'm sure. My attention and my focus from problems and challenges to just the small things of like my phone. Ding, ding, ding. Right. And going off. And it's like, you know, I'm talking and I see the phone and, and somehow instantly in my head, it just goes for it. Or you get the phantom vibrate. Right. Things are trying to we live in a world that's trying to vie and take and get our attention. And at times, if I'm honest, I can d- get distracted by what's going on around me. Or the demands that I, that, I, that I feel that I have. And I can get distracted by those. But can I tell you, when I just go and I set time aside where I just worship Him. When either it's whether I put music on and take time to worship Him. Or like on this past Friday, this upcoming one, going to be so good. So looking forward to it. Where I can go in and just worship Him. Or whether it's when I just acknowledge as I'm writing this email, I'm actually, this is in worship to God. And I acknowledge him. I'll tell you this. It brings freedom to me. It brings clarity to me. It brings rest. Why? Because my attention is being refocused from those challenges or those demands or those things. And set back onto him where I can have his rest. And if I'm going through just one of those days, you know what I mean? One of those days, if you've gone through one of those days, I just stop and take a small worship break. I've started to do this more and more where I'm just saying, okay, I'm going to stop and just worship God right here, right in this moment. And then it brings my focus in. Or if there's a big issue, oftentimes there will be a solution that I get when I just worship him. Maybe that thing that you're struggling with at work, 
The solution is when you worship God, you will then be in the place to receive what God has for you, that download from heaven, that God solution. But I've been, I'll tell you this, I've been worshiping more and allowing my focus to get aligned. In Psalms 103, it was written by David later in life. Uh, Lots of scholars believe this was closer to the end of David's life uh, when he had experienced some life. He had gone through some trials. He'd gone through some victories. He's gone through some opposition. And this is what he writes. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I can see it there that he's actually telling himself, his soul, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He's talking to himself. You will bless the Lord. And then it goes on. Uh, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth, with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord uh, executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant, abounding in mercy. So David, he tells, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's very similar to what he did in Psalms 3 when he came in with the problem, but then he worshiped the Lord. And as it goes through in Psalms 103, he then goes through who God is, what he's going to do, his character. And I can even just as I was reading that, I feel just built up because it reminds me my focus is on who God is and what he's going to do. I want to encourage you. No matter what kind of week you've had, no matter what kind of opposition or challenges you've had, to worship God. Declare what God has done, what He's going to do. As uh, Colossians 3, 2 says, set your, your mind on things above, not on things of earth. Set your mind, your focus on what Jesus has done, on Jesus. And through that, you will have freedom. You will have liberty. As we worship, Man, our focus gets free so we can see what God is doing and what he is going to do. There's a story in 2 Kings about Elijah and his servant. And uh, this massive Syrian army is coming against him. And the servant, he says, what are we going to do? Elijah, he then prays. God opened the servant's eyes so he can see. And God opens the servant's eyes and he sees this massive army behind them. And what he sees is in the spirit realm, the heavenly army that is backing them. And Elijah says, there are greater, that, greater are those who are for us than against. Today, no. If you could see in the spirit realm, if you, if you opened up the spirit realm, you know that greater is for you than against you. God's got you. He's got this. God is for you. Who can be against you? Today, know that God is for you. He loves you. That he has got your back. That as we worship, our focus is freed so we can then focus on him. What God's going to do. What God is up to. And what God has for you. Today, I want to encourage you, 
no matter where you are, what you're going through, as we worship in these next moments, that we just worship and allow our focus to be on him. And as we declare those words, allowing those to be a declaration of faith of what God is going to do. I'm going to pray and then we're going to go right in to worship. Father, I thank you for every single person watching. Father, I thank you that you love them, that you are for them. And that God, that there's no opposition, no problem, no challenge that is greater than you. Father, I thank you that we don't have to be captive to uh, problems or those challenges, but that we can actually be freed so that we can focus on you. Father, I thank you where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. So Father, I pray for freedom, for peace right now, where there is worry, where there is anxiety. Father, we declare your peace, your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church podcast. We hope this message inspired you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to see you at a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information on our website, thrivecalgary.ca. If you'd like to become a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can also do that by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the give button. Know God is for you. We love you. Have a great week.